Would you rank? Would you rank the um, Great Interior Design Show over the Great British Bake Off? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not a baker. I like eating. I hate baking. Like, hate hey. it with a passion. Hey, well, can I tell you something fun? Right? Uh, are you a good baker? Uh, well, this, now that is a good question because historically, I would say no. But um, on the weekend, I was about to say a la weekend, but you're the linguist. I don't know if that's right. A la weekend? Is that right? We'll on the weekend? It. Okay, um, great. A la weekend? Sure. A la weekend. Dernier. Oh, wow. It's getting better and better. Oh, Keep gosh. going. Okay. No, I'm going to stop. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on Saturday, I baked my second ever cake. Was it banana so the bread? No, the first Good. cake I ever made was for Sarah's 30th birthday. Cute, I know. Um, but the second ever cake I made was a chocolate and Guinness cake. Oh, and now you're talking. Now I'd we're talking, that. right? Yeah, and it basically, and this might give people an idea of what to do during during this, you know, global pandemic. <laughs> I know stop you don't it. like those two words you put together. <laughs> no, but um, only because my housemate points it out and okay. I can't stop hearing it. Anyways, here's a good idea for everyone. My friend who lives around the corner set up a bit of a community bake-off. And so we all had to bake a cake, submit our cakes to his house by 4pm. Obviously all socially distanced. I left it on his doorstep <laughs> and walked off. So we don't want to hear messages. <laughs> we don't want to get people writing in about the cake situation. Irresponsible. I, I baked a cake. I left it at his house. He cut up all the cakes that he received and then delivered a slice of each cake back to the baker's households again all mm. socially distanced and uh, on uh, on that evening um i was going to go french again the soir <laughs> <What is happening? laughs> is this baking it's brought yeah. out a sort of um anyway in, on saturday evening then we all jumped on zoom and uh we ate a bit of each cake and judged according to presentation, texture, and taste. Mm. And I came second out well of done. six. My second ever cake. I was quite happy that. With is that is impressive. Who came yeah. first? Well, uh, a friend called Emma. A friend called well Emma who made a uh, lovely Biscoff cake. Oh, do you know, I used to like Biscoff until when at, at something more we decided mm. that we wanted to be really bougie and so we ordered a mass bundle of biscoff biscuits i remember those lotus remember? biscuits yeah oh I remember. my goodness i honestly don't think i'll ever be able to eat another in my life i've seen yeah. so many like cheesecakes they're like biscoff and whatever and it just makes me feel oh all sorts of wrong ways because we just ate like 10 in one sitting because we had so many yeah they're like oh. pringles aren't they you just keep putting them away just don't you but i remember stop. i mean i don't work for something more uh but i remember uh just coming in and uh yeah they were there was just a Having box it was like an industrial you. delivery of lotus would you like a coffee mix. have 10 biscuits <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> layered around the saucer no, it's just it's rather than just one in a packet it was like 10 i was like that's no, fine but we had to do that because we knew that we would eat them otherwise so anyone that came we literally just shoved them in their pockets to get them out of the office as quickly as possible yeah i mean oh, anyway it, the the cake the biscoff cake was lovely um oh, well done emma but the chocolate and guinness cake that i created was also lovely um lex it's episode two it is let's well welcome done. everyone welcome if you've made it this far well done well done um, hopefully it's more than just our mums 
Yeah, you may. <laughs> yes. Hi, My mum doesn't actually listen to this. <laughs> I can't even claim it. It's mom. absolutely savage. Um, and um, if you make it through this episode, congratulations. Uh, because we are talking about sex today, aren't we, Lex? And that rhymes. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lexi, why don't you um, tell us what we're going to be looking at? Tell us the plan. Um. Yes, so we are talking about sex today. And so to sort of loosely signpost for you, we are going to kind of start off in what, like what is sex basically, looking at what sex is, the sort of prevailing attitudes towards um, sex, which have, I suppose they've been predominant throughout centuries, not just today. Um, and then we're going to move into obviously what it is the Bible has to say about it, because fundamentally that's what we're here to look at not just our personal experience and opinion and so hopefully we shall come out with a right understanding of what the bible says about sex and therefore what our lives should look like as a result of learning that um, and putting those practices into action yeah how does that sound james sounds great (laughs) to me um and i guess i guess the reason why we're talking about um it uh is because um, it comes under this banner that this whole series is looking at, which is, uh, you know, battlegrounds of the heart and things that uh, our desires are directed towards for satisfaction. And undoubtedly, sex uh, has become one of those things. And so I think even into that now, we we want to speak about it and we want to uh, not be kind of old fuddy-duddy people and go oh we you know we need to take it back to the good old days but rather recapturing something of the vision that god has for sex uh but recognizing that that in our culture and society that sex is is massively misunderstood i think um it's also worth just acknowledging not only where culture and society have perhaps misunderstood sex but also the responsibility of the church within this because i think the church hasn't done particularly well in presenting sex in a positive in a positive way i think there's there's the thing around celibacy which is often the thing that you you hear about possibly from people who aren't christians that that somehow is what sex is all about that actually, and and because it's a bad thing or perhaps it's just because it's for reproduction that you, therefore you just stay celibate and so therefore it's unattainable unrealistic well certainly that's the message that the church has put out in the past but when they do that therefore that the whole christian view on sex is therefore unattainable and unrealistic and deeply unappealing to people um i think probably one that's more apparent and more um common amongst christians nowadays is is living in the shadow of of their own guilt and shame that's attached to sex so wanting to recognize that there's a whole load of people that will be listening to this and uh will have had all sorts of different experiences when it comes to sex and i I imagine there'll be lots of people who know that their lives have and experiences when it comes to sex hasn't matched up with the biblical picture of sex and therefore it feels really difficult to talk about it to think about it to hear people talking about it on a podcast and i guess with that um sadly there will also be people who've had experiences or experienced things like abuse um within sex and relationships that's caused 
unimaginable pain and shame as a result of that. And so that's also, I, I don't think the church has done particularly well in addressing that uh, either. And then finally, probably, you know, there will be people here that are listening who feel like they failed, that they're damaged goods. Um, perhaps they're failing now. Um, there'll be people listening who know that they're, they're caught in cycles of sin when it comes to sex or porn or masturbation or any of those things. Uh, and so just feel really unable to, to break free from that stuff. And I think, again, the message that the church has, has put out probably hasn't helped people in those situations that it can often come across as judgmental, um, a holier-than-thou kind of attitude. And I guess one of the reasons why many have struggled in these areas, particularly when it comes to the church, but just generally when it comes to sex, is that the church has failed to give a positive, compelling vision of what it means to express our sexuality and I guess by that I mean the church or, or the classic kind of things that you hear when it comes to sex within a church context or in a youth group or whatever it is, is, you know, don't have sex before marriage and don't do pornography. Um, as long as you don't do those things, you'll be fine. You'll be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and to be fair, like, you know, those things aren't bad things to communicate. In fact, they're probably really important that we still make sure that those messages are heard. But outside of the context of sex is actually a really good thing and, and, and giving people a vision for human flourishing in this area, without doing that, then those messages are like banging symbols aren't they uh, loud gongs and so we need that fuller vision of sex to show that the christian faith is is so much more than restrictions or being anti-sex but rather the christian faith has as a higher view when it comes to sex than i think lots of people realize so I, so i think it's mm. it's really important to acknowledge those things but also say let, let's do the work and let's explore what the bible really has to say about sex and the vision that god has for sex and human flourishing yeah and i think you really perfectly touched upon the first statement which i think needs to be made sex is good um which counters a lot of the things that i mean i wasn't brought up in the church but a lot of my friends have been and, and we had a great conversation over the last couple of weeks about their experience of of learning about sex um in church in their families obviously what they picked up sort of via culture through school friends etc and um the 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 overwhelming majority not all but the overwhelming majority the sort of thing that they voiced was that sex felt like a bad thing like a, like a naughty thing that you're not allowed to do and you're not allowed to talk about at all because that is just it's like dirty it's icky you don't you don't want to open up that box yeah. like that stays firmly yeah. to one side to be dealt with when necessary but nothing can can be further from the truth God literally created sex. It was his brainchild. He was the creative genius behind it. Um, and I think it's really easy nowadays to kind of see the the Hollywood version of sex or to, I don't know, flick, flick open Cosmo and see their kind of whole list of sex tips and advice and what have you. Um, but they aren't the originators of sex. They didn't discover it in its fullness um, and they didn't give it to us in its fullness. Um, his fingerprints are all over that yeah so i think it's really important that we recognize both the purpose of sex and i guess inherently within that 
there's a recognition of the power of sex as well and i think i think you've kind of alluded to that already and that god has has said this is good that that it's a, a gift from him and therefore uh, it's filled with meaning and significance it's it's important and um i guess one you know one of the things one of the themes that that we see in scripture is this idea that sex is uh, a symbol of the marriage covenant uh between a man and a and a woman a husband and a wife um and that when they're joined in marriage they become one flesh and this this is a theme that we see right the way through scripture and um sex speaks of an even greater reality um and i i think this is a an interesting one just to think on because ultimately sex is this you know this intense picture of two people coming together but it it therefore within that reflects and points to the picture of our relationship with God. Um, and so the marriage covenant itself, the promises that are made between a husband and wife is a picture of, of Christ laying down his life for the church and then the church laying down its life in worship of Christ. Um, and uh, there's those famous words in Ephesians in which Paul writes to husbands to say, you know, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the, for her um and so you know jesus through his death and resurrection he's removed that barrier between us and god so that we can draw near to this holy god uh, and so therefore we are united to him that this relationship is so intimate between christ and his church it's a beautiful thing and there's a connection therefore between the marriage of a husband and a wife and that of the relationship that we're invited to with god and so so marriage points to that and actually sex points to that reality of of a picture of what is to come and that might sound a little bit strange because you're like well, hang on a minute how does sex point to this relationship with god like that is a weird thing to think about um uh, but it, you know it's i think it's often banded around amongst christian circles that there'll be no marriage in heaven but actually that's not true there is there is going to be a marriage and it's going to be between christ and his bride or the church um and sex again is is representing that intimate picture of that relationship that christ wants with us and with his church this marital sexual union is nothing less therefore than an anticipation of an even deeper union with god himself when he makes all things new and we're imperfect relationship with him um so so i think those those kind of things you know both the power and the purpose of sex you know it's it's something to be enjoyed it's for procreation uh it's it's a it's a full expression of what it means to be married and that's that that's why or it's the lived expression of the marriage covenant which is why it's been designed for a married couple and not for outside of marriage but it also then points to this future reality which i think is really really important so that is a whistle stop tour of the vision that we see in the bible when it comes to sex and the power of it and the purpose of it but lex i, I wondered whether it's worth just exploring where do you think people have fallen down on this like where 
what are the challenges that present themselves to people when it comes to this? Because it's all well and good kind of hearing the vision, but I think we all struggle with this kind of thing. But I think particularly what we see around us is is not what the Bible talks about. And I think we see it also within Christian circles in the church that there's it's been misunderstood. So wh- why do you think that is? Well, I think a lot of that maybe resides in, in, in the realm of actually having a right understanding of, firstly, what you were saying, this idea of what it is to become one flesh. It's not just talking about the act itself. I think it's understanding that saying that you become one flesh, it means almost to become one new person, like a new mm. human unit. And today's society with the Love Islands and with whatever it may be, it tells us that sex is fleeting and that we can have it when we want. And and, and essentially we're in a society that says like, I can sleep with who I want, when I want. And I've used this, I've overused this <laughs> image of a pendulum but i think it helps me at least see what is kind of going on in that there's almost like i visualize a pendulum between the church and the world and it's swung into the world and then it's kind of swung back into church and it has brought some of those prevailing worldviews into church with it and we've become comfortable with them because sin we're comfortable with it it suits us we want to live in that place because we're attracted to it we're not putting off our old selves in that sense but we're kind of sitting in this weird hodgepodge of christian ideals with the comfort of the world to pat us on the back and tell us we're doing okay and we're allowed to have these little things so long as we keep those big things in check um but fundamentally sex creates a deep intimacy and oneness and like communion between people that's what you're talking about when you say this whole idea of of covenant it's not just a physical thing um anymore and 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 sex is irreversible um i think something that we see from the bible is that to god the only relationship that is strong enough to handle the power and the goodness of sex is marriage it is the only thing that can hold that force um and that is that lifelong covenant between a man and a woman until death do us part and i think if you want to look at what sex should be it's going back to song of songs or it's going Mm. back to genesis and seeing adam and eve stood there naked with no guilt and no shame fully appreciating one another hiding nothing is that the image of, of sex we see today? I, I, I don't know if it is. I think like the beauty of the sex we see there is protected because of the relationship in which it is occurring in. And I think maybe those kind of, I don't know, misinformed attitudes or the attitudes that we're kind of living with today happen because we don't understand that sex is about so much more than just sex like actually god's view of sex is a lot higher than the culture at large we we don't need to have a lower view of sex we need to have a higher view of sex and that's quite easy to to miss in the church versus sex rhetoric mm. um because essentially culture saying like it's adult play isn't it it's kind of recreational just between two consenting adults that's that's all it, it needs to be it's just biological it's just kind of the coming together for some sort of release um but God says no, like it's so much more yeah. than that. It, it is two people coming together, reconnecting, refusing and finding a unity that you can't find anywhere else. And and fundamentally, like that's that's why uh, there is no such thing as casual sex. Like there just is not because sex involves all of you, like it, 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 not just some of you. Um, 
and you know like that that for me is something that i think it's been a conversation over and over again with with so many friends um this this idea that sex now has become about self-gratification over this sort of giving of of self and that is the biblical image of of what sex is and what it should be and what it is in its fullness this full giving okay great so if sex is for marriage what can i do <laughs> that that isn't sex i think that is often a mentality isn't it amongst people like uh, like i i know it to be true between myself between friends that i know within church and what have you like this idea of okay we won't go as far as sex but what is permissible and i mean fundamentally that question is wrong <laughs> but it would be great to chat maybe about why and and the kind of pitfalls of that mentality of okay sex is off limits there's the fence but like how far can i push this uh my response would be that is the wrong question to be asking um it's not about how close to the line you can get the, the bible doesn't talk about that it doesn't it, if you're looking for like a a list of all the things that you can and can't do with regards to sex it's not going to have it there it, it talks about in broad brushstrokes around kind of not engaging in sexual immorality um and uh, all sorts of things i guess would fall into that um but i think the overarching question of well what can i do is the wrong is the wrong question because you're trying you're seeking something and you're trying to find fulfillment in something um that invariably leads you down a path that will ultimately lead you to to sin rebellion spiritual death um and um i i, I don't know lexi if you've ever decide made a decision to like fast for fast something you know like i'm just gonna give up chocolate or i'm gonna give up alcohol for a month or i don't know if you're one of those like dry january peoples or or whatever but she's shaking her head listeners um no. <laughs> she, she does not <laughs> engage in dry january um but i think you know like so the classic thing of like oh, i'm gonna give chocolate up for a month and so i'm gonna put i'm gonna find all the chocolate in my house and I'm going to put it in this tub and I'm going to put it in the corner kind of almost out of sight out of mind and uh there it is um but you know that every time you walk into the kitchen and you see that tub of chocolate there's just something in you that's just like oh I, I just want you just start to crave for it and then you 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 like open the lid up have a little look in you know like, oh, they look good don't they and then you you're like I think I'll just smell it and then, and then you pop it in your mouth and then before you know it before you know it, you've eaten the whole tub of chocolate and uh really the the problem was wasn't putting it all in the tub it was not throwing it out in the first place like gathering up all that chocolate and throwing it out and that is actually what the bible talks about when it comes to sin it's like don't entertain it you can't chain it you can't you can't control it it's like a, a roaring lion an untamed roaring lion prowling around your house you have to kill it and paul talks it in those kind of terms when it comes to sin and sexual immorality and i think it's a i think that's a, that should factor into this conversation when it comes to sex that if you think that you can dabble in it but not go too far you are mistaken 
in huge proportions. It's just something not to be played around with. Uh, you can't play with fire. Um, and so what Paul talks about is putting sin to death. He talks about fleeing from sin, running in the opposite direction. That doesn't mean kind of, uh, you know, tiptoeing around it or, or just having a little, you know, fling or seeing how far you can go, but you know that at a certain point it's going to stop. No, it, it, it just doesn't work like that. And um, I think Paul uses that terminology because he knows the, the power of temptation. So um, that's the kind of, I would say that's the kind of biblical picture, but I think there's actually a really practical picture, that I th- a practical answer to this question or, or, or approach to this question, which is, why don't you just save as much as you can for when you're married so that you can just enjoy it in 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 the format as it were that it was supposed to be enjoyed like and so and there's so many things that fall into that but you know Sarah and I were were, were not perfect in it but we didn't have sex before we got before we got married uh, neither of us had had sex before we got married so uh when we got married that was the first time and um and we were both uh, i wouldn't say we were like proud of ourselves look at us like but we were just there was a, there was genuinely a sense of relief in it that like we had saved what was really important for when we were supposed to have it and when we could really enjoy it and um and i just think actually approaching it in in a way of saying actually just save as much of as it of it as you can for when you can you're just going to enjoy it way more. All those experiences when you're married, it's just so much richer, so much sweeter. And I recognize that even within this little section here, that there'll be people who are thinking, well, if I just ruined everything forever kind of thing, um, like you, you may have had sex and you're not married. And um, I think we'll get onto it. And, and my answer again is no, you haven't. Like that, God has grace for you and... He he is a restorer. He is a redeemer of things, and that's really important. But if you're kind of umming and ar- like, if you're at this point where you haven't had sex or engaged in sexual activity, but you're tempted in it, or you're you're umming and ahhing about it, perhaps you're dating and you you notice that you're travelling down that road. I just want to say really clearly, just just flee from it, put it to death, have a conversation, set some boundaries. And just make a commitment that, no, we're going to save this for when we're married. It's so much richer, so much sweeter, that side. Um, so, yeah, that would be that would be my approach. Yeah. And I think something that that question also picks up on is something that we sort of touched upon in season one with this whole idea of misplaced desires um, and and what it is to to create idols to sort of dethrone god from the center of our lives and to replace him with his creation rather than him the creator um and i think that's that's what what we see here we see it in in corinthians we also see it in romans which is another letter written by paul um which is this idea that ever since the fall really we have been mistaking the creation for the creator and we have this propensity um, this predisposition, it seems, to take what is a good gift and turn them into the God, you know, to worship the created, like I said, rather than cr- the creator that gave it to um, that gave it to us in 
in the first place because fundamentally something is always going to be lord over our heart whether you're christian whether you're not christian there's always something that is controlling your heart and the heart is the seat of your thoughts and the seat of your emotions and therefore sort of the seat of your choices so often um and so therefore whatever is at the center of that is at the center of of, of what it is we we worship um, and so I suppose what we see here with that whole mentality of, okay, well, maybe I won't have sex right now, but what can I do? It reveals that we have, I suppose, maybe involuntary turned sex into a God. And when we do that, it becomes a cruel tyrant. Like there, there is no escaping it. What was there to function as a good gift to enjoy um, in that context of marriage, instead it, it becomes an addiction and, and it has this power over you and it steals something from you. I think it steals something um of who we are we're, we're not seeing sex anymore as being this life-giving thing i think we're starting to see it as, as as a form of 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 slavery almost um because we have to download porn like when sex is your god you have to download porn you know you have to masturbate you have to sleep with your partner in order to sort of satiate those those desires that are ruling our hearts and our minds and if you make sex a god not only is it going to enslave you it is going to let you down <laughs> like it just is because as i mean i am not married and i have not slept with anyone but i've had conversations with friends that have <laughs> and as credible as incredible as sex is like it just cannot live up to all of that hype like no matter how good it is like it is not god and the same can be said of of relationships you know, like they're 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 chalked up to one thing and they're great in so many ways, but flip, there's so much more to them than them just being great. And the same with love, like it's brilliant, but is it all that it was chalked up to be? Yeah, no. Um Yeah, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? That idols cannot stand up to the weight of your worship. They they just cannot they cannot do it and they cannot fulfil you, they cannot satisfy you. And even sex in in its purest form as in within marriage, within the context that God has given, it still will not ultimately satisfy you. I feel I think that's what you're that's what you're saying, isn't it? And um and so even good things that God has given us are not ultimate. Um and I and I guess that leads us then, doesn't it, to to the gospel and it leads us to ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. Yeah. Like sex is powerful, but God is is even more so and i think we need to know that because as james acknowledged at the start like we're all coming into this with different experiences of sex whether that be positive or negative whether we've been brought up in the church whether we've not been brought up in the church whether we've had sex whether we've not had sex um and i know that what we're talking about like it, it can be super uncomfortable um and it and it maybe it's challenging stuff um stuff that we have held on to for a long time maybe it's bringing us back into a place of reliving the things that we'd rather forget um if only we could go back then maybe we're not in in the business of guilt and shame neither is neither is jesus um and i and i just want to say like don't underestimate what what jesus can do to put your life back together if hearing this has been something that is actually super hard um and has brought back stuff that you just feel like you have trashed relationships or that um you can't move forward because something has happened that has just caused a serious stumbling block like i want you to know that not only is he in the business of putting your life back together um he is in the business of shaping that back into the the thing that he intended all along and yes it it's true you know what that what's done is done um the past is unchangeable 
Um, but I love this phrase, but it's not unredeemable. And I think that is something we need to just hold on to right now. If if this has brought about any of those feelings of uncertainty or guilt or shame, um, let like do not let those have a hold over you um, because we are free from those. Yeah. And, and that is not what this podcast is about. It is not about calling out those horrific things and, and holding you to account in that way. Right. Um, just know that the past is unchangeable, but it's not unredeemable. Yeah, and, you know, another attribute of God is that he is a restorer and someone that restores things is someone that takes something that is is either broken or uh, has been misused or uh, it, it it doesn't resemble its former glory and yet a restorer comes and it and it restores that glory it restores what is broken and makes it whole and that that's the same for all of us and I think that I think there's you know there in the bible there is special treatment when it comes to sex but the reality is is that we've all fallen short of the glory of god that there, there is no hierarchy here of like there are those that have messed up and there are those that haven't when it comes to sex we've all fallen short we're all in need of god there, there's nothing in and of ourselves that can rescue and restore and redeem us like i am in as much peril as anyone else when it comes to sin and uh and it's so funny because you know i speak to lots of people who are in relationships and they'll say to me oh you just must never struggle with this kind of stuff anymore that in your marriage you know well, actually you just exchange one set of problems for another and actually sex is still an issue like it's still sexual temptation is still an issue when you get married uh, it's, it doesn't just go away um and so I think that I think that's what that's what's so amazing about the gospel and what Jesus has done is because uh it recognizes that we are all in deep need of him whatever our story whatever our experience is of it and actually if you puff yourself up with pride and go well look how pure I've been or look how goody two shoes I've been when it comes to sex then pride has gripped you and there's some serious verses in the Bible about what God thinks about people who are filled with pride that are equally damning. Um, and so I think like what you said, Lex, is, is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, and Jesus has made a way back for us to be restored, to be made whole, to deal with our sin, to remove it from us. And grace, grace is such an important part of all of this because the grace of God means that um, it doesn't matter if we've had a brilliant day or a bad day, we still need God to come and rescue us. And there is nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. Um, it is all a work of grace that comes from Jesus. And that's such an important thing. And perhaps we, perhaps we should start just to bring this to a close in terms of how we respond to this because i think there are obviously all sorts of things and to some extent um each one of us is going to have to go away and process you know what what might god be saying to me right now you know so what what are the areas that have come up even as we've been talking that it's just felt like oh i feel like i need to think about this god i think is speaking to me about this so the first is you know what what has God spoken to me about? And secondly, well, what am I going to do about it? 
And I think out of that, there are probably a couple of things. And I, and I thought in our prep, Lexi, you said a really good thing about kind of communal responsibility. So I wonder if you just want to share that before we finish. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it came out of a conversation with my community, with the the girls, especially that are closest to me, when we were discussing like, what is it that helps us maintain sexual purity i suppose um we have that place where we are able to talk about things where we have accountability and we don't feel like we're being called out or checked in on or nagged but we feel like we have people that care about our hearts that want to see us thrive and they want to see us embrace the fullness of what it is we're called to be and who it is we're called to be and i think whether it's that or even like i mean transparency like say my boyfriend and i like we had to have a uh, a frank conversation like a serious talk when we first started dating about what our expectation was and what boundaries we had to put in place because it's all well and good knowing these truths and knowing god's good plan for sex but i'm still attracted to him he's still attracted to me like i, I flip and fancy him so so what Whoa happens that. when there's no one else in that you know like but genuinely yeah. like what happens when there's no one else in the house yeah. like you know what temptation is like yeah. and so sitting down and having that conversation and being like look we just can't do these things because when you do that like that that does not help me <laughs> remain pure yes. so having those like, don't shy away from them and i think if you're in a place where you feel that like you can't have that conversation and then maybe there's something wrong like you, you you should be able to have that and your other half should encourage that with you because guys if your girl's not having that conversation with you then mm, question mark and girls if that guy is not allowing you to have that conversation then mm, question mark yeah. like it is so important and we shouldn't shy away from that communication really really whether it be with your other half or whether it be with friends like it is so so important because it debunks the myths and it just helps you figure it out without having to muck up a million times for yourself first yeah so good like you said lex it's it's so important that we we lift the lid on this conversation by uh, talking with our friends talking with those who know us well about this issue of sex and and perhaps you know, talking honestly and vulnerably about the challenges that we face, the experiences that we have, we've had the temptations that are before us and and not shying away from those things and um, understanding with real clarity what the Bible talks about and doing everything that we can together to, to live that out as best we can. But I think also, as well as talking about it with each other, and allowing space and time to speak into one another's lives. I think it's so important that we go to God with it too. And I, th I feel like so much of my my role and my job as a pastor is reminding people that the, peop the person they really need to talk to is God. Uh, the, the person that they really need to bear their soul to is God. And actually we see that in the Psalms over and over again. The writers bearing their soul, asking questions, coming to God with with their anxieties, with their frustration, with their anger, with their sorrow, their disappointment, and seeking answers and seeking a response from God. And that's so important when it comes to areas like this, because actually no human can answer those questions. I, out, you know, f from myself as a pastor, I don't have the answers. I cannot uh, give you what you need, but God can. Uh, and so I think it would just be worth reminding ourselves of the words of Jesus as we finish and jesus said this he said come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so whatever your experience is, whatever your story, you are never too far from the love, the power and the grace of Jesus. He's ready to receive you as you are so that he can completely wash you clean and restore you. Uh, and so I'm just going to finish by praying. And uh, often in these podcasts, we don't finish by praying. But I think in on a subject like this, just recognizing that this is an emotive one for many people, I think it would be good just to finish uh, in prayer. Uh, so let me pray for you. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to explore uh, what sex is, this gift that you've given to us. Lord, and we're so grateful that you have given us a vision for sex and for human flourishing, that it's a gift, it's a generous gift from your hands to us. And Lord, we want to steward that well. Lord, we want to see what it was intended for. We want to recognize the power and the purpose of it. Lord, we're so grateful that we, it's something that we get to enjoy within marriage. Uh, and Lord, I want to pray for every person listening right now, whatever their experience is, whether they've felt like they've really messed up in this area, or perhaps uh, that they've actually done well in this area, that they've, they have lived uh, this well. Lord, I want to pray for each one, God, that they would continue uh, to know uh, your acceptance, Lord, your forgiveness, your grace in their life. Lord, I want to pray that they would hear those words of, of you, of coming to me, and that I will give rest. Lord, we receive that now. Uh, and so, Lord, I want to pray for each person that they would know that deep in their heart, that they are a child of God, and that nothing can change that. In Jesus' name, amen.